Yo, this is Pastor Tito here welcoming you to another episode of my revolutionary podcast where I'm here to help you find faith in Christ and how to follow through with your life. And we are doing that by starting a brand new series for the summer 2021. And even though it's a new series, it is an old issue. It is the debate and in the pursuit of just what is truth. I mean, this is something that Adam and Eve dealt with at the very beginning when the devil asked, did God really say? And we are still wrestling with that today. Did God really say such and such? Well, let's kick off this series by looking at not just what did he say, but really examining who he is. We're doing a series called Truth Over Trends, and it's a truth that we don't just come to know, but it's actually a truth that we can experience. And so over the next month and a half, what we're going to do over the next month and a half is that we are going to reflect on this reality, and this is why we're going to examine truth over trends and tell the difference between truth over trends, because you and I, all of us, look to something or someone for direction in life. Tell me I'm lying. Tell me I'm lying. Think about it. Think about it. We all have, when you need help, you, you got somebody that you call and talk to. You need advice. Hey, can I talk to you about this? You all, all of us have that person, whether a parent or a friend or someone, that we call and say, hey, I need, I need some direction. You got guidance counselors. We got people that, that's their job, right? And so we look for people for direction, but we also look for things for purpose, And so what we're going to look to examine, not just today, and we're going to answer the question today and over the next handful of weeks is, what provides the best direction and what provides the most powerful purpose? Is it the truth of God or the trends of this world? One of the two. Which one is the best? Which one provides it? That's what we're going to be looking at. And I know that last one matters. It matters to me, and it still matters to me, and I know it matters to you. When, when it comes to finding my purpose, living out my purpose, you know, I was consumed by that as a teenager, to be real, still am, right? Still trying to find, God, what is your purpose for my life today? You know, because I don't want to. I don't want to waste my life. I don't want to waste it. And here's the thing. I'm 38 now. Okay, I know I don't look it right. It's, 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 it's the moisturizer. It is. I know I don't look it, but I'm 38. And listen, I can tell you, looking back 38 years, I have wasted a lot of those 38 years. I've wasted it. And some of it, I'll admit, some of it I thought I was living for Jesus. But in reality, I was still living for myself and just calling it God's will for my life. But it was really my will. And I know I have wasted much of my 38 years. I know it. And I don't know how many years or months or days I even have left. And so I don't want to waste whatever is left over. Anybody understand that? Everybody, I don't know if some of you may be even consumed by that. I know a lot of people are. And, and me, when I was really kind of going into this for a long time, I made a mistake. I don't want anyone, we're going to start with here. I don't want anyone to make this mistake any longer. I associated my calling in life with my career. I associated those two as is, like whatever my calling in life is, God, what do you want me to do? Really, it was like, what job do you want me to have? How can I make money serving you and doing what I need to do and still get all that I want to? That was kind of my thing. And I always associated my calling with a career. And now the thing is, is that I felt weird because it's like, well, what if, what if I start to work towards this career and then I get that career and then I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, I'm wrong. I've wasted all that time. You know, or I get that career and then something happens and then I lose that job. Now what, am I not walking in my calling because I don't have that career? And then what about all the in-between time? 
You know, like from here till then, am I just in this secondary status because I'm not in my career and because I'm not in that career, I'm not walking in my calling and I'm in this weird middle? No. See guys, I want to make sure to encourage you with that, that it doesn't, you know, there's not these three or four, there's not the Holy Trinity of callings that God has that it's, if you're not walking in these three things or four things, you're not living for Jesus. No. God can use you in almost any field. And right now, you you can actually walk in your purpose, regardless if you're not collecting a paycheck from it. And that's real, though. Listen, your purpose doesn't always come with a paycheck. It doesn't. And that's a big thing to realize and recognize, because sometimes that's what we do. And so, but I I know that deep down, what I didn't want to do is I didn't want to waste my time. I didn't want to waste my life. I don't want to waste your time neither. Y'all got, y'all, you know, you showed up to the difficult shift. The 9 a.m. shift is for real. It's for MVP. So everybody, give it up to the 9 a.m. shift. Give it up to the 9 a.m. shift. That's for MVPs right here. It it ain't easy. And, you know, I I don't want to make sure that you've wasted your moment, you know, your moment, your morning. And so, no, or the rest of your life. I don't. Because I know that we all deep down want to be able to live a life that we know counted and really meant something, right? And it was something bigger than ourselves and made a difference in people's lives. But for us to begin that adventure, let me tell you, to begin that adventure, we must stop placing our faith in trends that fade away and rather put your faith in a truth that lasts forever. That's where we can find your purpose. And in fact, I believe that in order to better understand your true purpose, you need to better understand the true person of Jesus Christ. Your purpose and who Jesus is, is connected. Now, I'm not making that assumption. Guess who did? Help me out, everybody. Guess who did? It's a Sunday school answer. It's the one that's for all. Jesus did. Jesus made that connection himself. And so we're going to look at that. We're going to look at John chapter 17. For those online that you like to that, you know, like old school, right? You like that paper, that feeling in the book, right? You can do that. If you got your Bibles here this morning, we're going to look at John chapter 17, which is the longest recorded prayer that we have of Jesus. Okay. And this is not the Lord's prayer. Some of you may be familiar with that one. This was a different one. Okay. This is an important prayer that Jesus does in John chapter 17, where he just finished the upper room. He just finished having that last supper. He just finished telling his apostles and and, that would be his apostles, those 12 disciples in there, um, that I am going to cut Jesus a new covenant with the world. And it's going to be for for the forgiveness of their sins and for their redemption. And that covenant comes with a new command, love one another as I have loved you. They sing a song just like we did. They packed up, walked outside the upper room, walked down, walked out of the city of Jerusalem, up the hill to the Mount of Olives, and there Jesus spends the night in prayer. And this is, if you ever read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, this is the time when Jesus is praying and all the apostles fall asleep. Listen, you know, I love that that's included there. I know I'm not the only one who fell asleep on Jesus mid-prayer. Anybody who's, who's bold to raise your hand on that one, right? And then you wake up feeling like the worst, like, like he's just like still with so you want to pick up where you left off, right? And so, oh, I hate that feeling. But so the, the apostles did that too. And so they, in the other ones, we see that Jesus goes and prays three times. He goes, wakes him up, they wakes him up, goes back, prays three times. John actually records that prayer, what he actually prayed. And that's what we're going to look at today. And the prayer really has three sections. The first section, I'm, when I, I want to encourage you guys to read it all, read the whole prayer, all of chapter 17 today, and for, for sure today, later, later this week. The first section is Jesus praying for himself. 
He is saying, it's kind of like he's coming at the end of the road. He knows what's right now, that very moment, Judas and everybody in the squad is on their way to arrest Jesus. He's going to be crucified on the cross in just a manner of a short time. And so this is it. And so what he does is he prays, thank you, God. And thank you, my father, because I have glorified you. I have fulfilled my purpose, Jesus says, the task you gave me. I have glorified your name. And now I know I am going to return to glory. Jesus knows that after it's all said and done, that's an interesting one. He knows he's going to die on the cross and he knows he ain't going to stay dead. I love that. He knows I'm going to return to glory after this is all said and done. And after he prays that short one, the bulk of the prayer, guess who he's praying for? His current disciples and us for real. It actually says, and he starts to pray for future disciples, future followers of Jesus. That's us right there, which is amazing to see a written prayer that Jesus is praying for us currently today. And so as he prayed for himself, Lord, I thank you, Father, that I have glorified your name and I'm going to return to glory, but I want to pray. I want to spend all my time praying for my followers that they may reflect your glory. And just so we all have the same definitions, all right, because that's not a word we use a lot, all right, the glory and glorified. Let's look at that, because when you read the whole chapter, that word is there all the time. And that word glorified literally means this. It just means to leave a favorable impression. Has anyone ever taught you the importance of leaving a first impression? Everybody done that at your job? right? Hey, you only got one shot. You want to leave a first impression, right? You go on that date. What's, what's, the, what's the first date all about? But leaving a good what? First impression, right? You kind of go all out because you want to leave a good first impression. Because if you leave a good first impression, there's going to be a, a second date, right? And if there's not a good first one, forget the second. And so this all matters, right? It matters in so many other things. And so what Jesus says, Father, I have glorified you, meaning I have left a favorable impression. I have left a favorable impression to the world. In fact, that was Jesus's task. He said, the task you gave me, I fulfilled. Later on in that same book, when you read John and you read a couple chapters over, Jesus has already been arrested. He's now standing, he's been beaten. He is standing in front of Pontius Pilate. And in front of Pontius Pilate, he says these amazing words. He says, I came, this is the reason I came into the world, to testify to the truth. And what, to testify to the truth, that's why he came, to glorify God. And that's what that word means. To glorify is to make known, to leave a favorable impression through Jesus's life. Guys, I want you to know, if you want to know what, what does God look like, how does God feel, or who is God, look no further than Jesus. Because the, the New Testament says that Jesus is the picture of the invisible God. His life, death, and resurrection. It was the word of God made flesh. Okay, it's a, I don't know if everyone's ever read one of those books. They were really popular back in the day. Whatever, whatever for dummies. You know, read, read one of those books, whatever, whatever for dummies. It's like a task. It's like broken down or an illustration. <clears throat> Jesus is that physical representation of who God is. Look to the cross. You want to say, how much does God love me? Look to the cross. How real is God? Look to that empty tomb. Wait, who is God? Look to what everything Jesus said and did. That's, this, is, this matters. This was his task. And this is what it means to glorify, to make known. And so he says, I've done my job. And now I pray that my followers may do their job to make me known, to reflect the glory that has been revealed through Jesus. But what's interesting is in verse nine, he actually prays. He, he does this shift. 
And he says, right now, Father, I pray for my followers, not for the world. Interesting, Jesus makes this distinction in verse nine. I pray for my followers, not for the world. Why? Why is Jesus not praying for the world? Because he doesn't love the world? No, we obviously know John three sixteen. Everybody help me online. Help me for God. So what? Love the world. We know that he loves the world. So why is Jesus not praying for the world? Because he knows. He knows that the witness of believers is going to determine whether other people will believe. He knows others will believe and come to know Christ if his followers reflect the glory of God. If we make God known who he is, it matters. And so he prays for us and he prays for us because he knows that we are living in a world full of opposition and distractions, right? You want direction in life? Why is it so hard to find direction in life? There's so much distractions. Why is it so hard for you to find and fulfill your purpose in life? Because there's so much opposition. We have an enemy that does not want you to find neither one of those things. They don't want you to walk in your purpose because if, if, they, if you walk in your purpose and God's purpose for your life, you're a problem for the enemy. He doesn't want that. He doesn't want that. And so he prays, God, I want you, my father, I pray that you help them because listen, right? We all know it's super distracting. How many of you have been distracted? Probably 18, 19 times since I've been talking over the last three minutes. A lot, right? It's been hard. I see it in your faces, okay? Online, I can see you too, don't, you know? I guarantee you, you've already swiped up a couple of times on, on, on Facebook or you're probably, you know, doing something else, right? It's so easy to be distracted. We're all like the dogs from Up. I love that movie. It's one of me and my wife's favorite movies, right? You know the Pixar movie Up? You got all the dogs and they're there. They're all conversating and then a the middle squirrel. Right, they're all dealing, they're all running, they're trying to meet, and then there's something happening, no matter, squirrel. Right, they get distracted, and then they keep going. Right, that's us. That is us. That's why Jesus prayed. He spent most of his time praying for us, because he knows, he knows that, man, Lord, this summer, I'm going to give my summer to you. I'm going to serve you like never before this summer. I'm going to dedicate, did someone say hot girl summer? Right, it's going to be like that. That's what it is. Or I'm be like, you know what? I'm going to get, I got up in the morning and I'm going to, okay, I'm up. I'm, I'm going to read my Bible. That's the first thing I'm going to do. I'm going to go. I'm going to read my Bible. Is that a notification? Is somebody comment on my text? You know, somebody comment on my TikTok video? What's, what is this? Oh, okay. <laughs> Two hours later, right? It's so easy. It's so easy to be distracted and with good things, right? I mean, when we have family, life, responsibilities, there are so many things that are vying for our attention and it's hard. It's hard. And so Jesus is praying for that. And so we're going to look at some of these prayers. So let's check this out. Let's go and read uh, 16 through, well, ver- chapter 17, verse 10 through 16. Let's read this one together. So here we see Jesus. We're going to pick it up mid-prayer. Everything I have is yours. He's talking to his father. Everything you have is mine. And I am, there's that word, glorified in them. I am known by them. I am no longer in the world, but they are in this world. And I am coming to you. See, he's going back, he knows. Holy Father, look at this word, protect them. Protect them by your name. And I want you to remember that word name and word, and we're gonna make this association together because Jesus does. Holy Father, protect them by your name that you have given me so that they may be, what's that word? One as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them by your name that you gave me. There's the word name and there's the word protect again. I guarded them. There's another word, guarded them. And not one of them was lost except the son of destruction. This is Judas who betrayed Jesus. So that the scriptures may be fulfilled. 
Now I am coming to you. And I speak these things in the world so that they may have my joy completed in them. That's a key word we're going to come to later. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. I am not praying that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. For they are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. See that? It's interesting. How much does Jesus pray for protection? Uses that word three times. Uses that word guard as well, right? Interesting. Why? Because he sees that there is so much opposition in this world. And he gave an example of someone who didn't make it. The son of destruction, Judas, who betrayed Jesus. Now, I want you guys to know that Jesus did not lose Judas, okay? And Judas did not lose his salvation. The reality of what Judas did revealed that Judas never really believed. The other 11 believed him to be the Messiah. Judas believed, but then started to realize, wait a minute, Jesus is not going to be this king that we thought he was going to be or that I thought he was going to be. Something's up. And so why does Judas betray Jesus? Because he sees there's an expiration date on this. I need to secure the bag before this thing, whole thing goes down and I'm taking care of, you know who, team me. That's what what Judas did. He betrayed Jesus so he can take care of himself because he thought, no, I'm out of here. I'm bailing. This isn't it. This is not what I thought. And so that's interesting. Talking about purpose in life, Judas gives us an amazing little illustration. You will fulfill a purpose of God in this world. Everybody here, 100% guaranteed. Listen to this. You will fulfill a purpose of God in this world. You are either going to fulfill it through your obedience or through your rebellion. One or the other. Now, God's purpose for Judas was not that. God wanted Judas to be saved, but he was too selfish and self-centered. So if you're not going to fulfill God's purpose, initial one, you will end up fulfilling a separate purpose because you will either do it through your rebellion or through your obedience. But so we see here that, man, Judas had Jesus right there, and even him, it was difficult. And we have the same thing, guys. We have the same thing. And the truth of the matter is this. We see, why does Jesus pray so much for protection? And, and, and let's not do one of those simple prayers. I know I've been there and I've done, Jesus, thank you for this day. Protect us, keep us safe. Help us to have a good day. Amen, right? Now, when we pray for protection, we are not praying, God, don't give me problems today. No, we're saying different. Jesus is not saying, uh, don't give them any problems. No, he is saying, Lord, let them be a problem in this world and don't let them be distracted by the problems and all those things. It's a little different because the truth of the matter, this is why we need protection, guys, from the truth. Because what the truth does, what we see here is the word of God, the name of God that Jesus was saying, it sustains us. The word protects us. It guards us. What does it guard us from? The lies of this world, it guards us from the lies that lead us away. Lies that lead us in a different direction away from God. Lies that will corrupt our purpose and produce pain in your life. That's what it is. Lord, guard them in the truth, away from the lies. And the reality is is this, that listen, biblical Christianity, this is why we need that protection as well to be, you know, we need that boldness. True biblical Christianity is always going to be unpopular. Always has, always will. The truth, when I say biblical Christianity, I'm just talking about capital T truth. Living for God in the right way, holding to the truth, has and always will be unpopular. Why? Because we live in a hostile environment. The enemy does not want the truth to be known because they don't want to lose anymore. The truth matters. Everything it battles, there is a war in heaven and on earth right now. I mean, not in heaven, there's an earth here. 
between truth and lies. That's what it is. Biblical Christianity is always going to be unpopular. All right. Tell me, go right now. I guarantee you one of y'all tweets, tweet a certain thing that, you know, take a true biblical stance, tweet and see what's going to happen. Say it next time you gather together and, you know, you got 4th of July is coming up, right? Stand up and say something that's truth and watch how everyone's going to turn on you. It's like, really? You're going to do it now? This is what's going to be, right? Because all true biblical Christianity is always going to be unpopular. But here's the dangerous part. Popular Christianity tends to be unbiblical. There's a lot of Christians out there, the majority of this nation, you ask them, poll them, are you a Christian? They'll say, yes, I am. But when you look at what they believe, what their lifestyle is, does not reflect Christ. And what is popular, and even right now, when it comes to progressive Christianity and so many things, that is growing in popularity. And there's this element that there's, I mean, it breaks my heart because there's people who are truly trying to wrestle with faith. And that's an awesome thing to truly know things. That's a great thing. But we got to make sure, and my prayer is that we may walk closer to the truth, not away from the truth. Because those lies, those lies will lead us in a false direction and give us a false sense of purpose. And so that's not what we're shooting for here. That's not what we're shooting for here. And notice that not only did Jesus protect and said he was praying, Lord, protect them, guard them. Notice this isn't just an individual thing. Did you hear how many times he said, Lord, may they be, what's the number? One. May they be one as we are one. So he is praying not only to protect the individual, but to protect the church. The church from falling into and believing and being corrupted by any lies of this world and making them think that they're living for God and living for the truth itself, that they may protect that they may be one. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean may they be one means, Lord, may they not have any issues. May they not have any scuffles. May there be no friction among them ever. No, man, people are people. There's going to be little disagreements here and there. But what what unites us is not everything. What unites us is not everything we believe. It's not all of our creeds. It's not our color. It's not our culture. What unites us is Christ. We are supposed to be one in the truth that matters most. That God is real. There is one true God. And Jesus is that son of God and died on the cross for sinners like us. And all who believe will be saved. That's what we need to be united on. There's a lot of other things that happen that cause a lot of division, which some of it is good. I'll be real. Some of it is good. Some of it needs to. Some of it is a little unnecessary. We we got a lot of people online that like to be heresy hunters, okay? A heresy hunter is someone who's constantly on the lookout. Who's saying what? You know, a heresy, if you don't know what that means, is somebody saying uh, literally a lie and calling it the truth of God. And so you'll have videos after videos of pastors. I've done some where you'll have a pastor say something or a, a speaker say something. And then they'll, they'll spend the whole hour breaking that down and saying, no, see, that's wrong. That's not it. That's a good thing. Do you know that we have in scripture examples by Jesus and the apostles that if somebody says is speaking a lie, calling it truth, we're supposed to call it out in love. Do you know that? We're supposed to do that. And even name names, we're supposed to do that. But we don't want to go too far. Just because a pastor says something that you might disagree with doesn't mean already call him a heretic, okay? Meaning, oh, that person's a false prophet. That person's the devil himself, okay? Be careful. Be careful. I've, I've done this in many times. There's people that, oh, no, he's cool. Uh-oh. And there's some people, hey, watch out with him. I'm like, oh, you know what? That's not that bad. Because, listen, I guarantee you, so, listen, y'all just haven't done it. I'm not that popular. Uh... I guarantee you people can make tons of videos of stuff that I've said. 
And maybe, maybe there was something that I've grown to, wow, I misspoke or, or I, I spoke out of turn. Wow, yeah, that was wrong. You know, I, I, and I, I, trust me, I've done that. Where somebody has called me out on something and I found out I was wrong, that was my next sermon that day to correct what I said. I'm like, listen, my bad, okay? This is, this, uh, let me lead you here. And so the oneness matters because listen, we cannot be united. Well, there can be diversity of opinions. You know, there's a lot of those popular preachers out there that are called heretics and false prophets. I'm like, listen, do they preach Christ crucified? Do they say, do they, all of them say you got to be saved by grace through faith? That's it. And Jesus is the son of God. We're all sinners. Yeah, they do. Okay. You can disagree with all the other stuff, but he's on our side. Chill out. Okay. So we got to be careful with that. But now if somebody says you got to believe in order to be saved, you got to believe plus behave so you can earn your salvation flag on the plate. Nope. There it is. And we can talk about that. But the reality guys is see, Jesus says there, there's, there's a diversity in our unity of opinions, maybe of, of, of perspective of practicality, but we cannot have a diversity of truth. Jesus is God and we are not. And we live by faith in him, father, son, Holy spirit. We cannot have a diversity of truth. And, and the reason why we need to see this is Jesus said it. He said, Lord, may they be one. Protect them that they may be one. So that my joy may be complete in them. Guys, that's what, there's this interesting thing that says joy, life, excitement, that, that my joy may be complete in them. So we see that the truth sustains us. It protects us so that we can have the joy of experiencing God in our life. But without it, we're in trouble. Though the way that I see how the truth sustains us is like the way a scuba diver's gear sustains a scuba diver. I, I've never done scuba diving. I've never been snorkeling. Anybody scuba dive before? Everybody online? Anybody done that? This looks cool. I've never done that. But think about it. The gear that he has, the mask, the scuba suit, right? The tank, you know, the, you know, the, the, the air, all that stuff. Everything that that person has is for what? Is to protect the scuba instructor, the scuba person is to protect them in the water and make it possible for them to function in a world that they don't belong in. How did Jesus describe us? Lord, they are in the world, but they are not. They're not of it. They are in the world and they're not of it. Lord, protect them by the truth. Protect them in your word, in your name. Guys, that's what that does. All the scuba gear, all the scuba gear, all right, help Scuba Steve in order to be able to go down and function in a world that he doesn't belong. See, he is in the ocean, but he is not of it. And what is allowing him to literally not die, but in, in order to thrive and accomplish what he needs to accomplish and experience all he's going to experience is the gear that protects him and sustains him, right? That's what this does. The truth of God protects us and sustains us, guys, so that we can function in a world, in a world that is an anti-God world, that we are not of. We are in it, but we are not of it. And the truth of God actually protects us and sustains us and makes it possible for us to function and make a difference and experience the joy of God in this world. That's what the truth does. But the truth does more. Not only does it sustain, it also sanctifies. Look at the rest of Jesus' little prayer we're going to read. Verse 19, it says, 17, he says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. There it is. There's that word he's been using. Your, the name, word, your word is truth. And as you, verse 18, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. There it is again. I sanctify myself for them 
so that they may also be sanctified by the truth. I want you to listen to that. Because he says, now let's again, let's use all proper definitions. What's the word sanctify mean? We don't use that word. That word sanctify means a lot of different things. And it's a little bit different, you know, well, not, not so much. It, it applies differently to, differently to us, but to a certain extent, because Jesus was a little bit of a different person, right? But the word sanctify literally is holiness, or for, in our case, it's growing in holiness. Jesus didn't have to grow in holiness. He was truly God, truly man, never sinned. He was holy, perfect, righteous. We, when it comes to sanctify, the truth sanctifies us. The truth of God doesn't do something outside, right? That's what we're talking about. It protects us, right? It doesn't just deal with things outside. The truth does something to us inside. It sanctifies us from the inside. It is meant to help us grow in holiness, growing to be more like Jesus, living like him, loving like him, acting like him, thinking like him more and more. By the way, that's a lifelong process. So if you think, oh, I got so much more to go, congratulations, so do I. Okay, me too. I got a whole lot, you know, I got a whole lot more to go to. It's kind of like, I know we've done this. Has anybody ever kind of like marked how tall you were growing? On, on a wall or one of your kids, Everybody, anybody ever do that, right? You kind of mark to see, okay, here's I am, and here I am, here I am, here I am. And you're able to see where you are, where you've been. That's what we need to be able to do. We need to be able to look back in our life and be like, you know what? I'm not, I still got some growing to do, but I am not where I used to be. Man, look at that six months later, five months, or look, look at three years ago. Look at that difference. Look at that difference. That is huge. And so the thing, guys, is when it comes to sanctify, this is what the truth does. It molds us to be more like Jesus. But what did Jesus say, though? Jesus said that it meant to sanctify us. And Jesus said, I sanctified myself so that they can be sanctified. What does that mean? Sanctify also means to be set apart. Listen, listen, listen. Sanctify also means to be set apart. Jesus said, I, say, I was sanctified for them, meaning I fulfilled my purpose so that they can fulfill theirs. That's what he's saying. I did my job so that they could do this. I accomplished this so that they can experience this. That's what he was saying there. And the truth, that's what it does. It sanctifies us in this amazing way. It changes us from the inside. And I love this tweet. I'm going to read it from Dustin Benji. He says this, we don't, or I better maybe say we shouldn't because people do. We don't shape scripture to say what we want to be true. We know people do that. But we don't shape scripture to say what we want to be true. Scripture should shape us that we may say what is actually true. You see that? That's what the truth does. It not only protects us from the outside, it sanctifies us on the inside. It does something to us. That is what it's called to do. In reality, what, what I love about this is when we look at this prayer and when we understand what capital T truth is, did you see? Jesus said, by your name, by your word, by your truth, all are the same. See, do you know that names in the Bible mean nature? It's, it's, it's the truth of who you are. Your name means who you are. It is a description of your nature. And so the truth of God is not an adjective. Jesus actually does not use the word truth as an adjective. He uses it as a noun. It is who he is. Jesus said, I am the way the, I am the truth. He doesn't just speak it. He is it. It's like love. God doesn't just love. He is love. He speaks truth. And what we see in this prayer is that the word of God will keep us to the extent that we keep it. Now, you got to listen to the last part. 
The word of God keeps us to the extent that we keep it. Truth will keep us. It will sustain us and sanctify us to the point that we keep it, to the point that we keep listening to it, to the point that we keep reflecting on it, memorizing on it, you know, pondering on it, meditating on it, reading it, okay? Believing it, applying it, living it. The truth of God will keep us to the point that we keep it. But remember, it is not just an it, it has a name. So God will keep us to the extent that we keep God. God will keep us, protect us, sustain us, and sanctify us to the point that we keep looking to him, calling on him, praying to him, worshiping him, living for him, looking to him, listening to him, believing in him, following him living through him. God keeps us to that extent as well. And this is why the truth matters so much to us. It matters so much to us. In fact, the the application really is this. You got to let the truth infiltrate you so the truth can influence those around you. You want to live out your purpose in life? I'm telling you, it starts here. It starts here because you can get everything else kind of right. Listen, there's a lot of people out there literally doing what God has called and made them to do We got, I mean, business people, musicians, entertainers, I mean, creators, right? Innovators. They are are walking in their gifting and in their, but it's, it's not enough. Why do we see so many rich and powerful people still empty and dying and and committing suicide and depressed? Because it's not enough. The purpose is greater than your, your calling is greater than your career. It's greater than a paycheck. And so if you want that, I'm telling you, it's right there. And so you got to let the truth infiltrate you in order for it to influence those around you. So let's start there. I want to challenge you this week. How much of the truth are you infiltrated by, surrounded by? And let me tell you, don't let it be. Don't let it be. All right, I, I got my sermon. I got my sermon on Sunday. I got my Bible, Bible verse of the day. And I'm, I'm good. You know, I can kind of coast. Listen. The only way that the truth sanctifies us is if we keep it, right? We got to let it infiltrate us, right? It's just like this. It's just like food. Treat truth like food, okay? After you chew your food, what do you do, right? Listen, if you're hungry, if all you do is chew your food, are you going to be hungry still? Yeah, because there's another step. You chew your food and then swallow. You got to receive it in order for your body to be full and then in order for your body to function, right? If all you did, and even if you spent all day chewing food, are you going to be full by the end of the day? If all you did was chew it and spit it out, chew it and spit it out, chew it and spit it out. Listen, a lot of us, careful, we do this, we do this with truth. We chew on that truth, chew on that truth, chew on that truth, spit it out. We chew on that truth, chew on that truth for about a week, spit it out. Well, why isn't it working or why isn't it this? It's because did you really believe or are you just kind of chewing on it? See, I just get a little taste and then, and then you're going to go try something else. See, truth is the same thing. We got to chew on that and then believe it, receive it, apply it. That's what happens. And so you got to, I'm going to challenge you, infiltrate, allow the truth to infiltrate you and surround yourself with more truth. That might mean you getting up in the morning a little bit more and spending that time with God if you're not. That might mean spending just an extra five, 10, so ever minutes at night, ending your, ending your night with God, reflecting on your day, thanking him for that day. That may mean you taking advantage of your downtime more, you know, your car rides, maybe not listening to all the music all the time, maybe just sitting in silence and in praying sometimes, or maybe popping in that different podcast. You know, you got your this, all right, cool, and pop in a different preacher than me, whatever. Listen to something, put the Bible on audio. So, you know, 
you know, look at your entertainment, watching that stuff. Now, am I saying that everything you got to do got to be Bible-based? I'm not saying that neither. I'm not saying that neither. What I'm saying is, though, surround yourself with truth. Don't just kind of chew and spit it out. Surround yourself with it so that it infiltrates your soul. But don't only do it by yourself. Remember, Jesus prayed that we may be one, so we are not called to do this alone. So have someone that you call, that you talk to. Hey, pastor just talked about this. Do you want to break that down really quick? You want to read that? Yeah, let's do that. You know, taking advantage of the Sunday services that we're doing. We're all doing this together, not by ourselves. That's important. That's important that you're praying with others, encouraging others. They are encouraging you. That's part of the truth working in them through you. That's what matters. The truth does that as well. God uses that. So we need to not only let it infiltrate us, but let me challenge you, let it influence others. You don't want to be a Christian that's really, look, got all this, got a big head because they got all this knowledge and information and they got an empty heart. You don't want to be a Christian that got all the info up here. You got got big heads and empty hearts. You're looking like a bobblehead. You look ridiculous. Okay. That's you. That's you. Okay. Big head, little hearts. No, Jesus did not die to, to have a church full of bobbleheads. All right. Let it infiltrate those around you. Why have we been praying for almost 30 days? If you haven't, right? It's say, Lord, lead me to lead this one person. I'm praying for this one person that, Lord, they may know you and that you can use me to help them know you, right? We've been praying for that. And you got to let that not only infiltrate you, but influence those around you in all that you do. I, I know I've heard this, and this is good advice. Anybody ever heard this quote? Do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life? You heard that one, right? Do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. There's some lowercase t truth to that. And there is the truth to that. Let me give you some capital T truth though. Okay. Reflect the love of God in all that you do and you'll never waste a day of your life. Listen to that. Reflect the love of God in all that you do and you'll never waste a day. See, that doesn't matter what job you have or non-job you have. You can do that right now in your home, in your neighborhood, to the waitress at your place or to the grocery store, this, that, wherever, at your jobs. You can be that reflection. That's what we're called to do is not just be infiltrated by the truth, but influence others by the truth of God, loving them and even telling them about the love of God, what Jesus did. This is why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether even you eat or drink, even in your eating and your drinking, do it all for the glory of God. You know what that is saying? He's like, look, Paul is trying to get us to understand what Jesus was praying for, that we can make a big difference in the world when we reflect the glory of God, even in the small things, in the way that even, I mean, the most insignificant daily things, eating and drinking, how you live actually can impact how someone believes. And so reflect that love of God. This is not that complicated. The way that Christ has been kind to you, be kind to someone else. The way he's been loving to you, be loving to someone else. The way he's been patient towards you, be patient with someone else. And then at some point, if you see that door, take a beeline to the cross and point them to Jesus when you see it. That's it. Guys, I'm telling you, that right there, you want purpose for your life. Man. That, there's nothing better than that. There's no greater joy in this world. We've been talking about joy. Jesus was saying it. There is no greater joy in this world than to know him and make him known. And you can do that regardless of your skill set, 
regardless of your career, regardless of all that, because it's the spirit of the living God in you. And Jesus wants you to experience that joy in life. There is, you can do big things in this world by doing the small things and reflecting God even in the small ways. So guys, so the answer to the question, right? What provides, what provides the best direction in life and what provides the most powerful purpose? Look both to Jesus. Jesus, truth, who he is, not trends. Because here's the thing that the, Trends will do. Trends at best will make you happy. I'm not going to lie. It will. Trends at best will make you happy. But here's the thing about trends, though. Happiness is always attached to happenings. Happiness is always attached to happenings. You are happy based on what happens to you. That's what trends do, and trends come and go, right? Trends come and go, and happiness comes and go because of what's happening, right? Oh, I got that job. I got that job that I've always wanted. Woo! Ugh, not happy. My boss is a jerk. Okay? There it is. Happy. What's happening in your life? I got that bonus. I got that bonus. I'm happy. Car just broke down. There goes the money for that bonus. Now I'm not happy. Okay? I got that girl. That girl crazy. Okay? Not mine. No, okay, not mine. All right, she has exceeded my expectation. But let's be real. That's what happens, right? You tend to be happy based on what happens to you. It fluctuates. Truth, the trends at best will make you happy. Truth gives you joy. And joy is not determined by what happens to you. Joy is determined by Jesus and Jesus alone. See, the things of this world, when we follow the things of this world, it offers you purpose and in the end produces pain and frustration. But not, not truth. When you get to know Christ and make him known, you experience joy. And why? what is the difference between joy and happiness? Because again, happiness is determined by what happens to you. But joy is determined by Jesus. And Jesus doesn't change. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't fluctuate. He doesn't wake up on it with a bad day. He does not change. And so even despite whatever may happen to you and difficult things may happen to you, you can choose joy because your Jesus is greater than all of those things. There is joy. It's a choice that we can make. It's a choice that we can make. And so if you want direction and purpose and joy, look no further than Jesus. Because he gives us something worth living for, worth pursuing. There is nothing else like it. Remember... The truth is something that keeps us as we keep it. And this is what's so amazing about the truth of God is that it is not just information. It is not something. The truth of God and who he is, it's not just something that you just know. Truth is actually something we experience because truth is not just facts and figures. Truth is our heavenly father. Truth is Jesus Christ, our savior. Truth is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That's what it is. And the more we allow the truth to infiltrate our minds and hearts and souls, the more we will be influencers in this world for the glory of God advancing his kingdom. It shapes us. See, God shapes the world and reshapes the world by shaping and reshaping and reforming continually us through the power of his presence in his word, which is truth. And so 
I want to remind you that's, that's that kind of revolutionaries that Jesus is looking for. Remember, we use the term revolutionary the way the world revolves around the sun, the way the sun or the way the, the moon revolves around the earth. And that's what we need. We need to make sure that we are people that are revolving our lives around the truth of who God is, his revealed truth. So that we may continually make those steps towards that oneness, being one in the truth. And so that his joy may be complete because there is nothing greater, no greater joy than knowing Christ and making him known. No greater joy than knowing the truth of God and making that truth known.